Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is haunting your doll. I'm Alex. A show like this deals with horror elements, and everyone's pretty chill about it the entire time. (laughs) I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And you are listening to Riverdale After Dark. We are talking about Chapter 63, Hereditary, a.k.a. the episode where everything changes. Uh, Everything happens in this episode. They just cram so much stuff. 45 minutes where every minute everything changes. Yes. Well, okay. So I, I did want to talk about that because... Because I think like that's very typical Riverdale, right? Yes, yes, yes. Where every scene is like, well, this is it. We're putting everything on the table. This season, I feel like, has for Riverdale been pretty even. Like it's yeah, it's been relatively balanced. Chill up until this point. Well, even up until the last five minutes of this episode, where they're basically like, uh whoop, throwing everything (laughs) up in the air. Here we go. Everything Uh, you knew was wrong. Sorry, here we go. Did you have the same feeling when you were watching it? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's interesting because every storyline has been, has had all four care all four of our main characters sort of separate. Yeah. I think that everything feels very balanced and everything is being moving forward slowly uh, for each of them. So I think it, to your point, it does feel very even. And then in this episode, I feel like they have a, a magic eight ball in the writer's room where they're like, whoosh, and it was like, dude jumps out the window came up and it was like, <laughs> all right, I guess we're doing that. Uh, yeah. And that's exciting. Like, no, you I never know what's like going to happen. They just have a bunch of characters written on like a dice and then like, oh, we got to find a way to put Chick back in here. Uh, There's well, no. I mean, listen. We're all very excited about Chick returning. We'll get back to no, that in a second. We are not yeah. all. I'm very excited. excited about I mean, that was it. one of the things. There's a lot of negative things happen at the end of the episode, but yeah. Chick coming back to save Riverdale is a very Fuck cool part you. of the show. Fuck you. Let's you know, get into the recap before we get too deep into this. Fucking bullshit. Because there's lots of stuff going on. Uh, we did mention about the haunted doll. So let's talk about Cheryl and Tony's storyline first. Cheryl yeah. is keeping <laughs> the. Uh, Haunted corpse of her brother. No, no, no the whole, the corpse isn't haunted. It's just rotting. Right. Yeah. It's just no. It's not seemingly rotting. It's just kind of sitting there and bloating. Yeah, I guess it must. I mean, given biology, it's it must. A rat was eating the inside. Even the rats <laughs> were like, "That shit's too gross for me." To eat. <laughs> so something's not right with him. Yeah. So uh, she has the corpse of her brother. She's keeping that in the chapel and talking. And that's to the him. least crazy thing that's going on. Sure, it is. Uh, but it's okay. They're dealing with it in a very realistic and responsible way. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and then uh, also there is a doll that is a Ugh. sailor doll uh, that Cheryl thinks is maybe haunted by the brother of her ju- uh, her brother, Julian Blossom, who she ate while she was in the womb. Yes. Which is an actual thing that can happen. That definitely. Not happens the haunt, all the time. Not the haunted doll, the eating of the womb thing. Yeah, no, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, by the, for my life, I def- I ate two 
kids with two of my br- brothers when I yeah. was what being born. Doing right now? Well, I started like you know I was in the womb and I was like, ooh, let me give it a little taste uh-huh, of uh-huh. Jason, my brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, whose name I also stole, um, <laughs> I ate him. And then, how uh, old were you? Like five or six? No, no, I was still in the womb. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I ate my brother at five or six. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, Alex, this that's is, that's yeah. more. So of I'll a tell you what, that's a bunch, of, of, bunch of dolls haunting me to this day. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, okay, that's what's dolls. going on with Cheryl. Tony, her girlfriend, is being remarkably understanding about this, but also Wait. she's over it. Yes. Let me be honest. Tony's yes. like, okay. As, how as how we is anyone to, sleeping in that house? I know. That's They're what barely sleeping because Nana Rose is crawling through the walls. That doesn't yeah. really play in this episode. Uh, they are also taking care of twin babies, Juniper and Dagwood. Uh, they had a daddy. Now they don't have a daddy. I don't know how they're bad at balancing all of this, to be honest with you. And yeah. honestly, I don't think they are. I feel like a lot of time it's like, Juniper, you watch Dagwood. Dagwood, <laughs> you watch Juniper. <laughs> and somebody keep your eye on Nana Rose because she's literally crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> uh, so that's what's going on. Uh, there's a couple of other characters we'll get to when we get to them in the Blossom family. Uh, but that's Cheryl and Tony's storyline. Meanwhile, over in Archie's storyline, Archie is managing a community center for wayward youth in a boxing gym, El Royale. Uh, he's been having some mix-em-ups with a dude named Dodger. Dodger is a little bit of a shady dude. He's been working out of the video game arcade, which is the shadiest place yeah. in oh, the world. Fucked up, man. It's, it's right totally- next to Sketch Alley. It is right next to Sketch Alley, and he has been recruiting kids in town to do his dirty work for him. For so pizza. That, well, we get to that in a second. <laughs> Hold on. Let's let's talk about that little bit of craziness in a moment. Uh, so Dodger has been recruiting kids and using them to do his dirty work so he can stay clean. Uh, but still, Archie has been going after him by becoming a masked vigilante. He has been trying to break up Dodger's operations and meanwhile bring kids into the fold for his community center. Uh, but however, this community center... In Sketch Alley, surprisingly, not getting a lot of money, not attracting a lot of people. So that's Archie. We'll put a little bit in that. Go over to his girlfriend, Veronica. Veronica has a lot of things going on, as usual, with her family. Her mother, Hermione Lodge, and her father, Hiram Lodge, were both on trial. Clearly, I got a little confused last episode because they both got out scot-free and they're home now. <laughs> yeah. uh, something that I missed a little bit with Hermione, I think. Yeah. You know she made a deal with the governor. Oh, that's right. Yes, she uh, did. But to, then she pled guilty? She pled guilty and then got um, exonerated by the, yeah, right, uh, right, right. the, the governor. Okay. Because they were they bribed, they blackmailed him, and then it was like, yeah, one last honestly, time. don't blackmail him again. And Veronica was like, no problem. Yes. So Hermione and Hiram got out. However, big twist in a Hiram storyline, turns out that he has a secret daughter who is Veronica's half-sister. The daughter, Hermosa, has been living in Miami for the past decade and is very loyal to Hiram, helped him get out of jail himself, uh, and now she seems to be here to stay in Riverdale for a while with all the sibling rivalry that entails. Now there's somebody else with a secret half-sibling, and that is Betty Cooper. Betty Cooper has a secret half-brother named Charles Smith. Charles Smith is an FBI agent. She has been working with him to do various FBI investigations, uh, but she also found out last episode that they share something else, and that's the serial killer gene. Again, Kind of a real thing, uh, yes. sort of not a real thing, but this has led Betty to think that because he goes to eat, goes home, goes to work, which uh, is approximately what I do at any given day. So. And we've suspected to you of, of, yeah. for a very long time. Listen, the only serial killer genes I have are these sweet Levi's. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I feel like you're secretly meeting some sort of chick-like character in your life. 
concocting. I'm meeting two of them, and we're recording a podcast. Right? Yeah. Oh, sick burn. Uh, so Charles is, uh, she suspects Charles that is, is a serial killer. There's a little bit of continuity that we do loop back to this episode, uh, which is that when we first heard about Charles, it was through Chick. Chick originally was pretending to be Charles, turned out not to be Charles, but actually seemed to be romantically involved with Charles, and reportedly had killed Charles until Charles turned up later. Uh, so a lot of leftover things there. Uh, meanwhile, while Chick was pretending to be Charles, he tricked Alice Cooper, his mom, into killing a shady dude who came into their house, bludgeoning him to death. And then along with F.P. Jones, who was not the sheriff at the point, now is the sheriff, they buried the body in the woods. Yeah. So this is a secret they've all shared for a while. So that's what's going on there. Uh, speaking of half-siblings, Jughead has a half-sibling as well, who is also Charles Smith. Yes, the they same sh- person. The same person. He shares a half-sibling with his girlfriend. But I want to say that's not weird because they didn't know about it before. That's exactly. So just let it go. It's like I have two cousins that got married, but they're separately cousins. One on my mom's side, one on my dad's side. And there's nothing weird about that. Oh, that and true? I was the best man at the wedding, and I brought that up, even though the bride said, please don't bring that up. <laughs> and it's very funny. <laughs> I, did that go over well or not well? Well, when you have me as your best man, I'm going to make a speech. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, so Jughead, uh, meanwhile... Let me know when it... you want me to do the duties <laughs> of being your best man, because I've got a pre-written speech it is going to crush. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that doesn't really come up necessarily in Jughead's storyline, except for a little mention. The main thing that he is dealing with is he is going to an elite prep school called Stonewall Prep. Lots of weird stuff going on there that we definitely delve into pretty hardcore this episode. Uh, he has been going with a bunch of preppies in a salon run by a dude named Mr. Chipping. Mr. Chipping... Uh, <laughs> What? <laughs> Nothing. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's all crazy. <laughs> I just reminded me how crazy. I, I can't believe that I said it was normal until the last five minutes. Yeah. Of this yeah, yeah. No. What do you? When it sounds like I'm describing a dream that I had last night, or yeah. a nightmare, or several nightmares. Like if you just said all this, and Alex, we were like. That's n- none of that happened. What are you talking about, Alan? This is all nonsense that doesn't connect to each other. Yeah, we're just reviewing the first ep- the pilot of Riverdale, Alex. Oh what God. are you talking about? <laughs> Where did you get any of those ideas? Do you know what? I would believe you. <laughs> yeah. They should do that. They should be like, and now the world premiere of Riverdale <laughs> every episode. And it's just like a regular, very boilerplate teen show. Yeah. Of Archie being like, which one should I ask out this week? <laughs> Except for there's just the gargoyle. Gargoyle King is the background playing football. <laughs> yeah, the diner is owned by the Gargoyle King chocolate shop. Yes. So uh, just to finish this up about Jughead, the big things that he's been trying to figure out, there is a series of novels called the Baxter Brothers novels. They're kind of like the Hardy Boys. He was obsessed with them as a kid, uh, and he got to meet one of the old dudes who helped found Stonewall Prep was the original writer of the Baxter Brothers novel, or so we think, he seemed to Mr. know... Mr. DuPont. Mr. Yes, Mr. DuPont. Uh, Mr. DuPont also knew Forsyth Pendleton Jones I, who is Jughead's grandfather, who very briefly went to Stonewall Prep and then disappeared. Jughead got a number of very strange clues from a series of Baxter Brothers novels that were gifted to him by his grandfather, including a secret message that was in there that essentially was like, don't trust anybody, don't give anybody anything, don't just don't trust them. Uh, so don't let them take every, anything from you. Don't let the that? bastards take you, yeah. Yeah. get you down. Yeah. There's a handmaid's tale tie in. Don't let the sun catch you crying. 
<laughs> I think is what it's like. Yeah, one of those two things. Uh, so he's been very intrigued by all of that that's going on there. Also, there is a contest to be the next Baxter Brothers writer, and that's sort of where we pick up with this. I think that's everything that we can get into for now because uh, that was, I'm going to say, conservatively 20 minutes of recap. And that's yeah. it for our pa- podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, this is the recap, and then later we're going to ha- talk about what happened in the actual episode. <laughs> Let's get into it because so much happened in oh this episode. God. Justin. Yeah, so we start the episode with Archie on patrol, and he's like straight up Batmaning his way through oh, uh, yeah. the crime in Sketch Alley. I loved how this was filmed because you have Archie in his hood come in approach a kid handcuff him to a car and then walk out of the car that like casually stroll in his football yeah. jacket do, 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 oh do, do. what happened to you kid? hey kid let me help you out yeah do uh, we want to should we talk about these on four different tracks yeah i think so okay uh let's talk about archie first uh because his um yeah, I think it's his the his had the, maybe the least crazy things yeah. happening, um, and I love this opening sequence. He uh, he does he stops the crime, um, then comes by as Archie, and then takes the kid, brings him into his organization, and then the kid has a job at pops at pops paper hatting his way. Yeah, I love this too. I almost wish they would have continued with this rather than anything else that went on. Not that I minded it, but like I talked about on the last podcast. There's already a ton of superhero shows on the CW. We don't need Riverdale to be one as well. Yeah. I think ultimately they're not going to follow this up long term. But I I love this idea that he is rehabilitating kids. It was sweet. It was nice. It does honor his father, which is part of the reason that he's doing this community center to begin with. Um, And I want them to see them lean into that rather than the crime noir elements, personally. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I do think... I think they're just doing that to keep the action quotient up on the Archie sure. stuff because he does every season. He's like, I do this now. And it's like a wild action thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when we follow that up, uh, Dodger trashes um, the El Royale. Uh, FP's like, hey, Red, I'm the cop, but what do you need me to do? <laughs> yeah. uh, and Continuing then, his run as the best sheriff of all time. Exactly. A sheriff you can uh, call what's up. What's weird is Archie didn't follow up on the clam bake idea. You know what I mean? Like, where's the clam bake? That's really going to oh, bring that everybody. Oh, the serpents that FP suggested when yeah. the serpents wanted to make everybody feel okay, they have a clam bake? Yeah. Didn't they yeah. do that last episode? Well, they didn't have a clam bake. But they, they didn't have any clams people. there. You wanted yeah, to see yeah. more clams. I, I think a clam bake is a great idea in the yeah. fact that... Teens loved baked clams. Oh, man. <laughs> it's nothing I, like some baked if clams. If I know young kids <laughs> up against it who have no options, they love a baked clam. I yep. mean, that comes in later... Uh, it turns out, as Pete mentioned, that Dodger is really attracting these kids to his organization by allowing them to play all the video games they want and free pizza. Yeah. yeah. I think if Archie was like, I got clam strips over here, yeah. they'd be like... Uh, clam Don't. strips, uh, maybe. Not, no? I mean, a clam Stuffed bake cla- is truly... Stuffed clams? No, that's not... Have you ever been to a clam bake? No, I've never been to a clam bake. It's really just like clams on a grill, and then there's some melted butter that you dip them in. <laughs> Or, so you, if, or you go uh, to a real clam bake, they steam them, and that's like, you know, you get a lemon and, you know, it's a little salt potatoes to go with it. That's the it. same thing I just said, but you added lemon. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you're, you're just you know, just the ones on the grill. You just added lemon. Well, you know, you got to steam them. I'm saying I, steam I clams will, are better than baked Not clams. to give Pete too much credit here, he also mentioned salt potatoes. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Which, again... Teens love. Yeah, teens, teens love. love a salt potato. I mean, let me just say that's a regional uh, delicacy from where we're from. Yeah. Other regions have, like, caviar, 
And we in upstate New York have potatoes with salt on them. You know what? I went to Dinosaur Barbecue the other day, and their uh, vegetable side of the day was salt potatoes. And the guy mentioned them. I was like, hey, what's your special of the day? And he's like, salt potatoes, but those aren't the best. And I got really embarrassed, and I didn't want to get them. But they are the best. Uh, salt they potatoes are, are truly amazing. They're it's great. amazing how good they are. Yeah. He, he peer pressured me out of getting the salt oh, potatoes. He was That's trying to so upsell you on Classic some. Dodger move. Yeah. That guy was a real dodger. Yeah. He really took advantage of you. Uh, anyway, so, I'm doing some crimes for him now. Yeah. Um, well, FP, uh, to try to stop Dodger, raids the arcade. No evidence. Makes sense. Just sure. found a bunch of quarters. Uh, <laughs> and we, there's a lot of Archie confronting. Uh, he wants to lure the kids to his place with arcade games. Yeah. Right. He's left a trail of candy. That didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, By the way, for anybody who did watch the episode, he didn't actually do that. That's a reasonable plot line to assume that Archie left a trail of candy to his community yeah. center. I feel like it's something he workshops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably. Let's leave uh, a, but a trail of baked clams but to get Veronica the Veronica helps him with the upping the food ante. Uh, well, so just they have a nice scene in the uh, community room at Riverdale High. Uh, Jughead isn't there, but it's Archie and Betty and Veronica. They're chatting about what's going on. Archie is texting the entire time, which is super rude. Super rude. Very rude. Very rude. But he's like, hey, any of you guys got some arcade games lying around? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they end up, uh, who figures out? Is it Betty? Ver- no, Veronica. Veronica gets the arcade games. From her uh, wholesale supply? I don't I know. know. She works with... She probably has, like, a warehouse underneath Lubanui, which is underneath yeah, Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she gets the video games, uh, and then they get there, and nobody is there. And they're, the kids, two ruffians, come in. Uh, and Archie's like, yo, where are all the kids? We got these free video games. And they're like, well, Darcher has free pizza. Yeah. I mean, we that's sa- when Veronica's like, all right, you free Pops on us. Uh, we've finally confronted, we finally created Archie's perfect supervillain, free pizza. Yeah. He can finally... But uh, when you think about it, do you know when we were kids, like, I would do a lot if someone said you could have all the tokens you want and free pizza. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd be there. You would be committing crime. This is uh, historical fact. This is how they got Capone. Yep. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Uh, no further elaboration. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'd love to hear your history uh, uh, lesson. Um, I'll give a TED Talk. It's not a big deal. Um, a scene we missed is Hiram walks into the El Royale for oh, a, uh, yes. a pretty intense, I thought it was going to be a big confrontation. Uh, yeah, I thought he was going to be like, this is mine. Yeah, and instead yeah. Hiram's like, hey, uh, sorry about your dad. He was a great man. And then he offers a bunch of money. Archie turns him down. End of scene. Well, it was smart because... Archie actually was smart in the scene, and he goes, I know what comes with that. Uh, what I what I liked about the scene is I think you could see both positions, right? Yeah. Because you're right about Archie being correct, that everything comes strings attached eventually with Hiram, but I do think that Hiram is being earnest about it at the same time. I do, too. In fact, this episode... I did felt- not feel like he was being earnest. It felt like they're positioning Hiram to be not the villain of the show a little bit here. I mean, yeah. he's in, he's a jerk, and the, the seduction scene with Hermione was oh. not cool. Uh, <laughs> but this scene and some of the stuff we're seeing later, it feels like there's a redemptive arc that they're maybe working on for Hiram. Yeah, I, I, redemption is probably too kind of a word for it, but it's yeah. certainly making him a town asshole rather than the dude that put the entire town under quarantine yeah. for some reason. Also, tried to have Archie murdered a bunch of times. Yeah, but, you know, like that's second to the town being quarantined. Oh, okay. Archie yeah. got out of it. Yeah, Archie's faced death yes. for multiple fronts. <clears throat> Are you going to blame the bear? Yeah. You're trying to kill him? Yeah. 
I think we're going to get a redemption arc for the bear this season, oh, which man. I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um, if they won't let Chick die, you know they're bringing the bear back. Oh, oh Chick and the what bear. Chick, it, chick, chick and the bear. <laughs> chick and the bear. <laughs> Drive it around, solve it, Chick Jeez. and the bear. That's oh, good. They take over the oh, morning I hope that's zoo. That's a show. I would watch hey, that. Hey, this is Chick and the bear. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Just stabbed a bunch of hobos. <laughs> Salmon. <laughs> Salmon. That's what bears like to eat. Yeah. Uh, and chicks. And chicks. Um, we get a party at the El Royale. Dodger shows up, and Dodger, this is one of my favorite Archie moments in a long time. Dodger's like, "Oh yeah, you're the man in the mask." And Archie goes, "What are you? What are you? What are you talking about?" <laughs> Dude, <laughs> just some yeah. stellar lying by Archie. Yeah. Not a natural yeah. thing. For so him then lying. Dodger's like, "Oh, we got what we need. Let's get out of here." Yeah, we figured out who the bad in the mask also, is. Also, what the fuck is Dodger holding? A bumper? Like, what was that? <laughs> it was like a little <laughs> stick. It was, a, it was a metal it was a pipe. rod that was weirdly bent in different areas. Like It was a curtain rod. Get was a crowbar or something. Like uh, Don't that, micromanage his villainy. <laughs> you didn't grow up on Sketch Alley. You don't know what it was like. Oh you grab God. whatever bar you can. Yeah, I guess so. You, you got the chance at free pizza, you do anything. You come to Sketch Alley, nothing straight. Everything's a little crooked. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, you just because I'm a little crooked? I'm, uh, I'm do- called Dodger, which is like the f- most fucked up name I could think of. <laughs> I read, I read all of a twist once. Yeah. <laughs> inspired. I'm not as artful as him, but I'm certainly a Dodger. <laughs> Anyways, check yes. out. Uh, uh, so yeah, Dodger goes away because he's got what he wanted. He figured out Archie's secret identity, uh, and Archie goes back to Hiram and has a conversation with Hiram. Which was well, first his dumb. house gets shot up. Which oh right, was first is, yes. Um, a lot of mention of the five seasons today on the on the episode as the yes. hotel chain in town. But then uh, Archie, yeah, he it gets shot up. Uh, he saves his mom. They duck down. Uh, and then that's the escalation that brings him to actually bring in Hiram and say, listen, Hiram, I have this problem. You and I both know that there's other ways of taking care of this sort yeah. of thing. And he gets up and leaves, which I thought was uh, the kind of what Archie did to him at the uh, you know boxing gym, where he was like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. Yeah, but then, I, I mean, we don't know exactly what happened, but I think we're, Reggie and Archie at the very end of the episode find Dodger like, Dead, Rap and then he suddenly yeah. he's not quite dead, but it looks like Hiram did try to help out. And he is basically, dead, right? no, he groans. Oh, he yeah, groans, he groans. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I missed the groan. Yeah. He groans and is like, Oh, uh, well, it sounds like he dodgered a bullet. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> he definitely did. Yes, well, what do you think? Did Hiram very specifically says, No, I'm all past that, I'm not doing mm-hmm. that anymore? He do also says something like, Archie, I hope you're not insinuating that I would do any harm. To this Dodger fella. I was like, shut up. Yeah. I wish wow. Archie had said, you're never going to make your bones that way. Hiram. Oh, Ooh, that would have been badass. Yeah. But Archie's less, he's a little more simpler. He's less vindictive. He's in yeah. full hero mode this season. Yeah, that is true. He, he is being the good guy, even if he's kind of encouraging Hiram to kill his rival. Yeah. Uh, do you think Hiram did it, though? Yeah. I do. Okay. I also too. think that, yeah. Great. We're all in agreement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. A real loaded question from cool. Alex. Uh, let's move to the Tide storyline, which is Veronica. Yes. Uh, this is a pretty simple one to talk through. Yeah. Uh, Veronica, is, well, the whole Lodge family's out of jail. They're chilling. Uh, we get Hermosa, who's in the mix. Everyone's a little bit tentative about all hanging out. Yeah. Um, it's time for the rum business to get popping. 
Huh? They all huh? sit down to like, hey, family, just a family announcement. Rum. Well, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong about this, but I think Veronica and Cheryl are going to end up running the rum business together. Makes which sense. Is, which is a fun combination. I'm excited about that. Wait, wait, what? Uh, Veronica and Cheryl are going to run the rum business together. How do you know that? What are you talking about? Uh, my job, part of my day job, is to understand what's going on at Riverdale. You don't believe? <laughs> uh, I, I just, did you, like, was, was like, this in one of your interviews? Did you watch ahead? Like, how do you know? Yeah, I don't know. Why? I've read and watched so much at this point. I don't know where it came from. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking about it, though. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is not, one of, my, not one of my hilarious jeeps. Are you, <laughs> uh, are you excited by them owning a run business? No, it just seems like such a curveball. Well, I not do like think. the haunted doll. Yeah, you're I like, I, hey, I'll let her be haunted by a living doll. Well, all dolls but wait a second, are creepy. A rum like, business? I, mean, uh, I think she's more of a vodka girl. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do think it makes sense though. With another thing that happens in this episode over in Cheryl's storyline, where she seems to be getting out of the maple syrup business, so probably she has a bunch of shipping containers and trucks and things that are lying around that Veronica will be like, Cheryl, you can help me out with this. Yeah, but it'll be fun to see them together. It'll also. Be fun to get Veronica away from this. My family is a yeah. bad crime family thing, which yeah. I was fine with this episode, and I think everybody's good in the episode. But it's I the same mode that she's been in for, for seasons. For seasons, yeah, and I agree. I think it's time to shake it up, and that's another reason why I think they're sort of repositioning Hiram a little bit. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, so we do get. There's some fun scenes here, though. Like uh, Veronica's training Hermione on being a hostess at the Bon Nui. Yeah, and then we and get. She's like, like Whoa. she's having a hard time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot going on. Um, and then she's like, the main information there, though, is that Table Eleven is the bad. Table team. Eleven yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's by the bathroom. It's under the AC. There's a rat that lives in the table. <laughs> uh, it's it's the bad. same rat that escaped from Jason. Yeah, um, it's a flat rat. Now. There's only <laughs> there's only that one rat in all of Riverdale. <laughs> That's a little known fact. That's a fact that I found in my research. <laughs> so chew on that. Cool. So then uh, Hiram walks in with his new daughter and uh, Brandon, and they get stuck with a bad table. Whoa. Dining burn. I worked in fine dining for many years, and I'll tell you what. That's a big burn. Yes, it is a big burn. But he uh, doesn't know that, so it's not really a burn. I think he knows. He's going to find out because that table sucks. Well, because he makes a move also, which is to fuck Hermione. Uh, yes. So that was a scene I mentioned earlier <laughs> with this seduction scene where Hiram just walks into his old house, takes, takes his, his shirt, shirt off, moves on. It takes that off early in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Not now, time. listen, kids, I know a lot of teens listen, uh, watch Riverdale, and they're wondering about, you know, what is sex life? What is, it, what is it like between a man and a woman? All the man has to do is take his shirt off, and that seals the deal. Oh and let me elaborate a little bit. And as long as that man has rippling abs, <laughs> that's a cool As move. long as that man is clearly made out of solid steel and looks yeah. like some sort of chair come to life. If there's any chance of finding wing sauce on your bare belly, leave the shirt on. Leave the shirt on. A little tip from your friends at... Uh, uh, that is a crazy move yeah. that he does. Just being like, well, I'm home. This whole scene was like pretty gross, especially because Hermione, oh. it works. Like yes. Hermione gives in uh, to his advances, and I was just like... Well, I want what kind of choice does she have there? Well, well so she- I will tell you that I did talk to her about this at New York Comic Con, so this was an actual interview. Wow. Uh, and uh, she said that like it's basically it's hate-fucking. That's what's going on yeah. there, is they have this attraction. She doesn't necessarily want to sleep with him, but it's hot. 
and she... He's very attractive. He's very attractive. They also, I think, have never slept together as a married couple on the show. Like, we've never seen that happen. Because they're always fighting. They're always fighting. They're always trying to kill each other. So this is the first time, really, over the course of the show that we've seen them be attracted to each other as a couple. And that points to how they got together originally, that they have this passion, they have this fire, and it is gross. They should not be together. They're very bad for each other. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you get together with people who are bad for you. Oh, definitely. Uh, We've all been there. Um, (laughs) I think, though, that uh, the weird part is Hermione is a character, though, when she had the most sort of power and strength was season one. And ever since, she's been sort of methodically depowered, I feel like. And in this, this scene specifically, I was like, I at least wanted to have her like have something to say to him or like be like or slap him or you know well she did, she did slap, slap him. him she did slap him but is uh, chin is rock hard as well yeah <laughs> what a weird it way is. to say that I don't know that that, yeah, that slap, was a weird way that to was say definitely that. like it, why was it weird his chin was also rock hard he said it like we all had talked about it before yeah and I can tell you we have not spoken about that. <laughs> You, you made it set. He, he has have, a chiseled chin. No, yeah. I'm not saying he does it, but the way you said it was like, <laughs> "Come on, boys, we all know he's got a chiseled, chiseled ass chin. <laughs> like he's got abs on his chin. <laughs> it does. It looks like he has abs on his chin. That's. I want to know the exercise to work on that. He looks like an action figure. He looks 100%. like you could pop off his head and change it with another head. He only gets more jacked. Yes. And I'll tell you what. He like he's getting older, but he's getting jacked. I think I think he has a contest with KJ Appa going on. Like I think they have an ab contest. Oh, that's a, should be a plot line on the show. Absolutely, ab off, ab off, yeah, ab on, ab off. Uh, so they sleep together and they end up getting back together. Veronica is completely thrown by it because she sees her yeah. dad's bags in the apartment. Yes. She's pissed off. Hermosa, As she should be. Yes, Hermosa comes to Pops. They have a bit of a face-off there, and Hermosa reveals... Uh, oh, I should mention also that when Hiram comes in, he says, you're my favorite daughter. Yeah. Uh, yeah classic, classic full of shit. Yeah. Classic, yeah. Hermosa comes into Pops and says, hey, our parents are renewing their vows. She tells the story of why she is so loyal to Hiram, which is that he didn't leave her. She wasn't some abandoned child. He actually was in love with her mother, raised her yeah clearly at some point no, she yeah. didn't say when raised. was he doing that yeah, she just said know. like supported me so get, she got money that's she got she, money yeah he no i think he raised her i don't know yeah i mean he had a secret family right that's what i think is going on yeah, yeah. uh so well, he was i was trying to work out the timeline but it had to be both at the same time i yeah, just they, don't understand the same age, I think. why veronica wouldn't be like hello he is playing you you're being she played. does though she does. Yeah. She's like, we can't trust Hiram. Uh, and But ultimately, Hermosa is completely loyal to Hiram. They're getting married again. They're renewing their vows. Veronica comes back to the apartment, to the Pembroke. And I, well, before you get there, there, she does say, there's good in him. I've seen it. Yeah, and that, dumb. to me, is a line that will somehow play into the future of this storyline. Yeah. Well, whether Hermosa is going to find out there is not good with it in him or yeah, if there I mean. actually is. It I think it's going to go, gonna go in way. one direction. Either yeah. Veronica realizes there is good in him or... Uh, which I think is more likely, or Hermosa's like, actually, he is an asshole. I think it's going to end up with that because I hope in the so, scene, because all we've seen is asshole. 
Well, she Veronica goes into the Pembroke and sees Hermosa sitting there behind Hiram's desk. She's taken it over. She's put a big painting of herself up instead of the painting of Hiram. And no, Hiram put it up. Hiram put it up. Yeah. What, uh, ass, that, what a dick. Like the same exact pose. Yeah. And uh, told her Veronica's. that she is his favorite daughter. And Veronica gets pissed off. But that to me points that either Hermosa knows how Hiram is playing Veronica or yes. Hermosa is being played in the same way. She's being played. I don't know. She might become... I think the storyline we're setting up is... Because for Veronica, it's always been, am I my father's daughter? And she is in some ways. We learned last year she can be just as manipulative as him. Um, But I think we're going to find out that Hermosa is her father's daughter. She has no good in her. She is full-on bad news. And the true inheritor of Hiram's like villainy. Should we move over to Betty's storyline? Let's talk Betty. All right. Oh, uh, so Betty, um, she uh, she's with Kevin a lot this episode. They're watching Charles, tracking Charles. Yep. And then we get, she's like, who can I talk to? Well, wait, before we get there, there's a great conversation with Kevin and Betty where Betty is laying it all out. She's like, all he does is go to his hotel, yeah. go to the gym, work, uh, and that's it. And Kevin's like, Kevin's like well, it kind of sounds like he's just a lonely gay guy. Lonely gay guy. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Like, yeah. very funny, but also very true. And I certainly leaned in that direction the entire time. Like, like we were talking about in the last podcast, I think they played that very nicely, where it yeah. does feel like, yeah, maybe he, that's all he is. Like, yeah. he's just a good guy in the no, FBI. Not Riverdale. Up until we eventually find out that he's one of the true heroes of the show at the end. But we'll get yeah. there. Oh, so Betty's like, who do I go to? When I'm in a bind, I need to go find a hero. And that hero is, for some reason, in jail. Yeah. Um, and that Very hero confusing. is chick. It's confusing because, like, we don't put Superman in jail. She likes to we don't put visit Batman in jail. people in jail. That's her. She loves jail. Right. I think the so food is good. Last season when we were left off, <laughs> Chick was uh, brainwashed into thinking he was Jason Blossom and dressing up like a gargoyle king and fought Jughead. Uh, in order to make Jughead look really good for Betty so that Betty would stay with him. Like a hero. Which is a very nice mood. And I guess he ended up in jail for that? I fucking hate both of you. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, sure, they locked up Gandhi for a while, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You, oh, my God. Free. You did not. Hashtag free chick. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hashtag free chick. Oh. So Chick uh, describes a story of a, a jingle jangle bender that he uh, went on with Charles. Um, why would he lie about this? Yeah, um, why would Betty believe him? Well, because that story's already been established. Right. We know from independent sources that Chick and Charles lived together. Charles disappeared. We know that there was bloody sheets that they had to clean up. Yeah. So the assumption was that Charles was killed up until Charles turned up. Uh, but what Chick tells the story, the way the Chick tells the story this time is they brought in a drifter to party and killed the drifter. Yeah. yeah. And, and they then, were in a relationship. Right. And then it's just like, oh, why would I lie, Betty? Because you're a psychopath, Chick. You just shouldn't trust. She and doesn't, though. And she, she doesn't plants trust some, Yeah, but she plant, he plants a seed. Why don't you go ask him? And I'm going, this oh, is good. You that's go. a good advice. That's yeah. not good advice because now she... It puts. It's exactly Charles is playing Betty. Yeah. Yes, we know that yeah, now at the end so of the episode. Ch- yeah, but that was clear then. Uh, nah, well, uh, it's not 100% clear, and she's following it up on it anyway. I would say her leap to Charles is a serial killer, to Kevin's point, is the much crazier leap in life. No, it's not. Yeah. You're in Riverdale. But also, there's no one that is dead. 
Right. No, <laughs> so no the reason body. Charles is not a serial killer is because there aren't victims yet. Right. That you know of. Uh, yes. Yes. And she says it later on when she's talking to Charles is that she has been through this before. She has trouble trusting that anybody can be real. Sure. Uh, and so it turns out that this whole plan, just to jump to the end, is a way of getting Betty to trust him, though yes. their motives might be a little suspect. Okay, can we... Probably well, no, we can just we can race through it. Uh, Betty <laughs> says, "I want to give you a polygraph test." Charles is like, "Yeah, let's do this." Yeah, of course. I love polygraph tests. I'm he, a psychopath. You can't tell when I'm lying or telling the truth. He comfortably admits to disposing of a body. Um, I think very that, casually. Uh, I think he. That's true. Yeah. I think that's what happened. No, I don't think he's lying at any point on this polygraph test. I don't think he's Except manipulating for the. Or, what are you hiding from us? No, I think he is admitting what he's hiding. She see, she asks, which is a crazy question to ask a polygraph, just a general, like, are you hiding something? Mm. She sees that he's getting nervous, his heart rate is going up, uh, and so he admits, he says, I'm in Narcotics Anonymous. That's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm going to the gym. At the gym, they have the Narcotics Anonymous meetings. That's where I go. I am a recovering drug addict. Yeah. And then he rips off yeah. the is- armband... I think what's going on there is that he is telling the truth across the board about all of this and about the narcotics and nope. thing. He's just ripping it off before he admits more things. Exactly. Yeah. That he yeah. is the Robin. And and he's and the Robin was... to Chicks Batman. And stop it. And that's but, crazy. What? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That is crazy. Chick uh, is the Robin and Charles is the Batman in the scenario. Oh, interesting. I think they're both Batman. Oh, it's just a bunch of Batman? Yeah. Multiple Batman. That makes a lot more sense. Uh,. Anyways, it's upsetting that Betty like lets him get up and end the questioning there. Well, but he's been honest with her. I think it, it, it's fine. And plus, she has to go home because she has to walk in and uh, realize that Chick has called the FBI and revealed the, uh, about the murder in the house, which a lot of people were like, Chick's bad for doing that. But Chick cares about justice. And so that's why <laughs> oh he calls in asshole. the dead body. You're an yeah. asshole. So uh, Atlas and FP uh, both flip out a little bit because they're both going to be implicated in this murder. Uh, Charles and FP head off into the woods to try to figure out whether it's true or not. Uh, and ultimately, they end up, I guess, disposing of the body again. In even another though, place. I think yeah. that's the implication. I mean, this is when I knew that Charles was doing this to get back in on yes. Betty's good graces. Yep. and. Um, I didn't know he was going to be in league with Chick, but that was a fun reveal. That How was did, very no, that fun. That was very obvious. Mm, not no, to me. no. I thought it was going to be that Chick, and I mean this uh, in a non-joking way, I thought Chick was just going to be like innocently like talking in jail. And Charles is the bad guy. The fact that they're together, I thought, was just a great, great move on the show's part. I agree, too. So ultimately, uh, Charles comes back in, has a tender hug with Alice. Betty is like, maybe you can stay for dinner instead of going out by yourself and being alone. Uh, And it seemingly trusts him now. Oh. And then the reveal at the end, as so you mentioned, is Charles goes visiting Chick and is like, they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. We're ready to go now. I and love I, you. I, I love you. Uh, and beyond Wait, the fact you guys that they like to each other, because <laughs> <No. laughs> it sounded like you said I love you, and you very quickly said I love you back. Yeah, I, I was oh, saying I'm, the the chick and Charles line. Oh yeah, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was doing yeah, too. You guys are yeah, both. Yeah, right no, there. I was definitely saying the chick and Charles line. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. What are you? 
What are you What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a great move. I love making them. Uh, I'm sure some people are going to have issues with making uh, two gay dudes the villains of the show, yeah. um, which I get and I understand that. But this is something that we even speculated about last season. If Edgar had turned out to be Charles, that he was in league with chicks. So I'm glad they're making that move and going forward. And we already it. knew they were in a relationship yes. together. So like, I, I buy it. It's I'm crazy also to me that Chick worried is... worried about Kevin now. Well, I was going to say, I, it's crazy to me that Chick is in a loving relationship before Kevin is. <laughs> yes. That's, that's fucked up. Aww. Yeah, that is pretty fucked Aww. up. Poor Kevin. Even though uh, also, they're it certainly killers. indicates to me that they're probably behind whatever's going on at the videotapes at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's something. Yeah. Uh, yes. We know it's they know move. how to work a camera because Chick was a... Cam boy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, there you Good go. There's point. the evidence. No one else knows how to work a video. Game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so let's talk about Jughead. No, now. no, let's do Cheryl first. We're escalating in insanity. And yes. I know you may be thinking, Cheryl's storyline is the craziest. I disagree. It's Jughead. <laughs> you think so? Uh, definitely. Oh, so okay. let's do Cheryl real quick. Oh uh, Cheryl has a nightmare that Julian needs a body. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all so crazy. Yeah, we get to see her entire family, including. Uh, Penelope is holding the Julian doll and basically like, get in the doll. We need you to get in the doll, which is insane. Uh, and then uh, also Trevor Steins is there. Yeah. As Jason Blossom still not saying anything. Very quiet. Uh, Clifford is also there. I assume it was Clifford. Yeah. And not Claudius. Uh, so the whole family is there. She has that nightmare, wakes up. Uh, Toady is actually there. And then they hear some skittering in the walls. Yeah. Yeah. But also they look, she looks over and the doll is just sitting there like the creepiest <sighs> fucking doll ever made. The craziest thing, though, is that Cheryl is just like, Oh, totally accepts that this doll is has an evil spirit in it. She does this salt circle thing. She's like, I'll just put a salt circle around it. Uh, Tony's like, just like rolling her eyes the whole time. And it's like, they all believe that there's a murder doll. Yes. This is... I mean, how would you not after all the insane shit that's no, going on You know on what, the this show. is... I, I'm powering through the storyline personally, but this is a step too far for me. Yeah. Like, it definitely is. I, I'm very eager to get past the storyline. I know that by episode eight or nine, they're actually going to treat what's going on with Cheryl realistically by having episode eight brings in a counselor that's going to talk to everybody. Episode nine, she's going to deal with Jason Blossom and her feelings about him dying once and for all. Very eager, very much looking forward to that. Yeah. We got a long this way to right, go before we, we get to We do have a long way to go, but this right now is just like... It's just too much. It's just yeah. like... It's Dolls are scary. I don't know why you're trying to brush past this, man. Dolls are I'm evil. I'm not brushing past this. And it's fucked up, and it, people have to deal with this. I people f- have to deal with dolls all the time. Kids yeah. every day are dealing with dolls. With haunted yeah. dolls. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Haunted by fun. No, exactly. All my T- G.I. Joes are haunted by fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, anyway, I won't spend too much time on it, because I think... The only way this storyline is working for me right now is Vanessa Morgan's cutaway reactions. Yeah. Where she's yeah. just like, okay, fine. Let's just keep going. Um, so then who do you think... I don't think they're going to reveal that it actually is Julian's spirit who is doing all this fucked up stuff. Because the um, Dagwood chokes on a ping pong ball. This is one of the most fucked up things that has happened in the history of Riverdale. Yeah, that was... Is they Cheryl to the principal's office. Cheryl to the principal's office. So they put the salt circle around Julia the doll so that Cheryl feels comfortable going to school because ghosts can't get out of salt circles, as we all know. I know that. Uh, she gets called to the principal's office, and the principal is like, so listen, there was a problem with the babies. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Juniper swallowed a ping pong ball. No, Dagwood did. Dagwood, excuse me. Dagwood swallowed a ping pong ball. Don't worry, though. They did a tracheotomy. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Out of baby? And I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> what is happening a right now? A tracheotomy is fucked up on a baby. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. How deeply lodged was that ping pong ball? And are they just like, <laughs> yeah, we tracked him. Now the ball's there for the rest of his life. He's just going to have a ping pong ball in his it's mouth. It's fine. It's no big deal. Your crazy grandmother who's been staring to the fire and seeing babies who aren't there is with the other baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that and that. I'm all glad that, to see I, you finally freak out about something. That I, was like that was too I liked much. Your dad. <laughs> it was too much. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was too much. <laughs> now and then also then they just moved on from there. They were yeah. like, we're going to spend some time with this baby that had a tracheotomy. Yeah. For the also, like, hey Cheryl, this isn't working. Somebody else has got to be in charge of these babies. Bring back. Darius, the beefy uh, night nurse, or yeah. whatever you're going to do. Jesus yeah. Christ, please. Jason's corpse isn't doing anything around here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let the corpse watch the babies they thought yep. about. So Cheryl goes from the Sarn Circle doesn't work. I'm going to put it in this creepy bathtub and then put a brick on top. Yeah. Right. That's the move. Uh, and th- this is my other. Uh, like, I, your just, brother drowned. Why are you drowning a doll? This is, this is my other problem with this storyline. Is like, I understand they're going for the gothic horror of it all, but what happens quickly is two characters we haven't seen in a while show up, Aunt Cricket and Uncle Bedford. And then who, another person. There was three in there. there was kid. A, yeah, there was a, their kid okay. shows up. Uh, but Ann Cricket and Uncle Bedford previously showed up at like the maple tapping thing. She also looks like funeral. a creepy doll that's grown up. They're all very creepy, and the whole Blossom family is creepy, and that's fine, and I get that, and that's fine. Yeah. But the fact that like they're doing clearly this gaslight thing. Where yeah. Aunt Cricket and Uncle Bedford are like, I knew you were crazy and you're a crazy person and your mental capacity is broken. That but makes me, the, that's them showing their hand. They're the ones manipulating this doll. That's what I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. 100%. But the thing that isn't working about this is that Cheryl implicitly believes that all of this is happening and seems to be fine with it. Yeah. Like if, she, if she was in the place where she was like, no, none of this is real. What is happening to me? Why is this real? I would get it. But that we started with the place that she already believes she is she's talking to the corpse of her brother. Grown up in a creep house her whole life, she's going to believe in these but things. But I think that might be the point. Like, she's been through so much trauma in yeah. her life that she does believe this stuff. And I think that's where we're going to get with her. And I think okay. they will treat it realistically, to your point, where she will then, like, recover. Whatever is going to happen with her, Dagwood is still not going to have a working throat. Oh yeah, it's true. It's good. He's going to be... I mean, baby's just... Eat milk and ground up vegetables. <laughs> yeah, so it's fine. Plus, he doesn't have to have taste yeah, him He'll anymore. just grow a new throat. Yeah. He's young enough. Grow a throat, kid. Yeah, he's two or so. Uh, yes. Um, and we, the last thing we get is the uncle f- discovers the corpse. Tony knocks him out. The aunt comes back looking for him. Baller and move like, on Tony's part. Tony kills him. How the fuck he's is Tony dead. still... You don't think he's dead? Yeah. You think they killed him? Yeah. So you think at this point... <laughs> yeah. At this they point... They can't let him live. He knows In too the much. chapel. So they're told not to go into the chapel. They want to sell the whole maple syrup business. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but in the chapel is Jason Blossom's corpse. Yep. Julian the Haunted Doll. Yep. And uh, Uncle Cricket, Uncle Cricket, <laughs> no, Uncle Bedford, Uncle Bedford. It's Aunt Cricket. Aunt Cricket. And, uh, my the... mistake. <laughs> my, I will confess to that being a very stupid mistake in my book. Very and stupid. Uncle Bedford, who has a massive head wound, but otherwise is okay. I think they're all sitting down there, <laughs> having covered in salt circles. Yeah. 
Now, I know Uncle Bedford's like, are you going to eat all that? Yeah. Hey, doll, you can eat that You got some potatoes? I can rub some salt. Hey, share some of that corpse with me, rat. You guys want to do a clam bake or what do you think? Yeah. Now, that's a crazy storyline. <laughs> that is the craziest. But, yeah, let's get down with Jughead. Yeah, I want to hear why you think this is. Yeah, I want to know why you think this is crazy. I think because I think the Cheryl storyline we've seen a little bit of that. Cheryl's been acting wild. It felt like a, it tracks for Cheryl. I hurry, hurry up and defend yourself here. There's no way that the Jughead, Jughead shit yeah. is crazy. It doesn't make sense for Jughead. So Jughead's like, I can't write. I need my anchor. Yeah. Uh, calls Betty. Betty. He calls and Betty. Very adorable moment. He's like, "Kiss your girlfriend." Oh, yeah. All you need I, to do is kiss your girlfriend. I love this. So sweet. Yeah. They're in. You brought this up a lot last season that you felt like they were in business mode the entire time, and yeah. that's where they're here, hundred percent. Jughead, one hundred percent in business mode. Calls uh, Betty, brings up the Baxter Brothers books, and says, "Listen, I have compared all of them, which I took as him essentially avoiding writing, like he is putting off the writing. Yeah, yeah. he's googling be- himself." He is 100%. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> not I don't know what the fuck is that? not what I meant. Anyways, uh, well, wait, hold on. So he compared all the Baxter Brothers books and discovered that the first Baxter Brothers book has a different writing style than the rest of the books. Right. We know that Mr. DuPont... Not, wrote, how, not how you... No. That's not evidence. No, it's not evidence. Well, that's no. true. There's it's got the same in writing t- styles. You the whole point of being a writer is you write in different tones and syntax. Like right. the fact right. that Jughead that's so off for him as a character and is like the rantings of a lunatic. Yes. And Betty even says that. She's willing to go with him because yeah, she trusts him. Was, I was a little disappointed in Betty not being a little bit more supportive. She was Jughead. being condescending to him. She yeah. was being condescending, but she was like, okay, go with your mystery. I don't yeah. think there's an actual She's like, mystery. my mysteries are real, and you're worried about a children's Yeah, my book. mystery about my uh, half-brother being a serial killer based on the fact that he has the same genes as me Real mystery. Yeah. Your mystery where you're comparing a bunch of books and finding different tones of them, not a real mystery. I'm going to tell you why. It's going to break them up. But the moment where she's like, hey, you know what you should do instead? Kiss your girlfriend. And he just keeps going on his rant. And she's like, you know what you should do instead? Yeah. Kiss your girlfriend. And then they kiss. So sweet. So beautiful. When he got asked twice. Trouble in Paradise. Oh. That's, when you got us twice, that's Trouble in Paradise. That's how the old saying goes. That's how the old saying goes. <laughs> yes, but it's not. Uh, it was very cute, very sweet moment. I really like that a lot. We're going to be together forever. Uh, <laughs> Jughead continues tracking his grandfather. I don't know. I kind of saw Jughead side-eyeing that hamburger in the it, corner. Oh. Yeah, dude, he's definitely into that. He's Googling himself. Um, he, uh, His next big clue is that there's a writer in the old blue and gold that goes by the name Frosty Pajamas. <laughs> and he's like... Frosty sounds like Forsyth and pajamas, PJs, Pendleton Jones. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> frosty pajamas. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, frosty pajamas. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm weird, but yeah. this is Jughead Wait, is so being what would your, weird. What would your writing name be? Frosty pajamas. No. What's no. your middle name? William. William, so W-L. Yeah. So it would be like uh, P- Peterloo yeah. <laughs> Waterlogged. Yeah. Uh, Waterloo. Waterloo, Waterloo, Peterloo, Peter nice. Waterloo. That would be your pen name. Um, it would be uh, TP. Right? TP? TP. TP? For your bungle? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> current yeah. reference. Uh, great. Reference. Super current. So yep. then Jughead goes and talks to Mr. DuPont and legit. So Jughead's in a contest. To try to become the next writer of the and Baxter he Brothers. he just straight up accuses? He fucking torpedoes Mr. DuPont. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Goes right at him. Mr. DuPont's like, yo, dude. Yeah. Hey, kid. 
Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, DuPont is not happy. Really going to have an uphill right, battle winning he, this. He accuses him. He says, you, this was the logical leap that he makes. Like, I actually followed what he was talking about. He is being very ranty, very jughead, uh, definitely investigating a mystery to avoid actually writing his assignment. But he's not being a good investigator. He's not being a good investigator, yeah. but the biggest leap that he makes is... Oh, this was definitely written by my grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Based on this very casual evidence that I put together. By Frosty Pajamas. By Frosty Pajamas, except for the fact that he's probably right at the same time. I yeah. mean, I agree he is probably right. Yes, but he is right. I did. That's why this storyline was so, I was like, so off for me because it was so... Uh, right. So he accuses DuPont. He says, you didn't write the first book. And I think what's clearly going on here... As DuPont points to, uh, DuPont's do, if you will, yeah. uh, is that the Baxter Brothers books and his fortune built Stonewall Prep. Yeah. Yeah. So if it comes out that Forsyth Pendleton Jones I wrote the first Baxter Brothers novel, they lose the rights and the money to all of that, and that's what he wants to prevent, yeah. I yes. think. Yeah. Um, so he goes up to Mr. Chipping, and I felt pretty good about being 50-50 on the people this season. I was maybe wrong about Charles Smith. Maybe he's a little bit of a villain, okay? Uh, but Mr. Chipping, you said he's super evil. Yep. Not actually very evil. Actually kind of a nice guy. And Jughead goes up to him and says, hey, listen, you are my teacher. This is plagiarism going on. I know it could jeopardize your position. I know it could jeopardize Stonewall Prep, but you got to tell the truth. You believe in the truth. And Mr. Chipping feels very conflicted about it, goes into the, goes into the class. And sneak up on this. Yeah. I want you to really slow walk us Talks into this. Uh, starts to give a lesson about a writer who teaches, uh, writes about truth and starts to go, mm, oh, oh, I'm really sorry, everybody. And then jumps out the window. Dives through a, a stained glass window yeah. to his death. To his death. He's dead. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I assume. I don't know. People have fallen out windows on these shows before. Yeah, it's true. Survived. He could be just horribly injured. But, I mean, the point is... Yeah, Chip- wait. What's his name? Uh, ben? Was it Ben? Ben uh, Button? Ben oh, Button? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Button jumped out a window. He yeah. died. He did die. Yes. So yeah. I assume Mr. Chipping is also dead. He uh, also went head first. And, and I think... He, I think I could be wrong, but I heard a squish. Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah, the kids was, was did not f- react. Yeah, no, the other they, kids did not. Not at all. Jug they acted did. like it was normal. Like Chipping was like, hey, I'm going to jump out this window. They were like, oh, it must be Tuesday. He's going out the window again. Chipping yeah. out the window. Yes. Uh, chipping's out. Mr. DuPont takes over the class. Jughead, not in a good spot. No, no really no. not. And all but, the other uh, people in the salon are doing a classic like, I heard we're going to be taught by this famous writer. Yeah. Because again, I heard we're going to get A's for the semester. No. I bet it's the character that was introduced recently. <laughs> yep, probably that. Now... This, though, because Jughead can't write and needs a murder mystery, this is all very... I like how the fact that we're moving things towards the fact that Jughead is going missing where he's committing the perfect murder on himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the theory we were working with. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anymore. I think it's... Now I would lean much more towards him trying to get away from DuPont, who is... Potentially doing some sort of mind control or something like that. On Mr. Like Chipping? Well, the way that Sam Witwer played that scene... Is, it was like he was breaking programming. Exactly. Um, so potentially there's something like that going on, and that would be very classic Riverdale, that it feels like, oh, it's just a money scheme. Nope, there's actually mind control going on. Hypnosis would be something. We did say at the beginning of the season that maybe there's snake men. Under uh, Stonewall Prep, yeah, and Lizard snakes, men. classic hypnotizers. That's true. Yes, um, I had a question though. Um, what's up with Penelope? 
um, Blossom. Blossom. Yes. I feel she was referenced in this episode, and she is a missing piece that we don't know anything about. I don't know that she's going to be the big villain, but I do think, like Chick, she's going to come back at some point this season. Right, yeah, because uh, especially if a lot of Cheryl's storyline is about um, her losing control of the maple syrup business and very much the Blossom family fortune. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens. Before we wrap up here, who was the MVP of the episode? Pete, I'll go to you first. I'm really curious to hear you say who you thought the MVP was. Uh, It was clearly Betty. Any particular reason? Uh, just I think because I think she was sort of rude to Jughead. Yeah, but she yeah. did point out that you need to kiss your girlfriend, and uh, you also didn't like the fact that she went and talked to Chick. Yeah, I also didn't like that. And mm, also, sounds like you didn't like Betty this episode. No, I mean Betty still, even if she has an off day, is still the greatest character, and she's the best all off, day, off day, every, every day, day. Okay. off day, every day, off day. Every gotcha, day. Uh, Justin. What about you, MVP for this episode? I mean, uh, it's really hard when you have. Your hero coming back <laughs> from so far away. Uh, Chick, it was great to see him. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was. It was great. Yeah, nope. he, he adds a little extra flavor. Oh, my God. You know stop. what I'm talking about to the to this show? Just fucking stop. Okay. Um, I don't know. The way the characters are so split up, it's uh, it's much harder. It feels like stuff is happening to them as opposed to them really driving stuff yeah. forward. Um, but uh, I got to give it up for Veronica in this episode. Oh, interesting! Interesting, holding choice. her ground. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she. I loved her scene where she confronted her mom. And was like, "No, I want to hear it from her." I thought yeah, that was just that a was great all, power move. And uh, Veronica seems to be just running shit. I hope that she gets out of her shell a little bit going forward. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, even though I didn't love the storyline, I got to give it to Archie this episode. Uh, you know, you choose Archie a lot. Do I really? Yeah. Oh, I like KJ Apa. I like what he's doing this season. I like yeah, what we he, know. He's got I a like real hard chin. Highest compliment Alex can give. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Riverdale. Pete, what do you want to plug? For us on Facebook, so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and at Riverdale Dark. Also on Instagram at Riverdale After and Riverdale After Dark on Facebook. Those are all places you can check out. You can subscribe and listen to the podcast and comment on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. And we'll see you at the Clab Bake. I love you, is what Chick said. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs>